You're back for the Locked On Irish podcast. Today's episode, we are going to be previewing Notre Dame's matchup this week against the Clemson Tigers, the number one ranked team in the country, a top five matchup between two teams that need to establish themselves midway through this 2020 season. We're also going to be reacting reacting to former three-star recruit Kofi Wardlow entering the transfer portal. Before though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts for this Locked On Irish podcast, your go-to source for Notre Dame athletics content, audio content, analysis, anything that you need to know about Notre Dame athletics. As I said, Joe DeLeon, former college football player and current NFL free agent with my great friend Ryan Roberts, who is an NFL draft and college football analyst. So, Ryan, I want to ride on into this first key piece of news that was reported on and highlighted a little bit more on Tuesday. Um, And it's a little bit, it's not like the biggest news to be losing Kofi Wardlow, who has not really played that much this year, but it's notable when you have a former three-star recruit deciding to leave and enter the transfer portal. So as I said, a three-star recruit only appeared in three games in his career and, uh, again, has not played in this 2020 season. So not a huge, huge impact for losing him. The the big statement that he said here is um, after getting all of his academics sorted out, he is going to leave after his his fourth year is done and try to graduate transfer to another program. So what I now wonder, Ryan, is is this going to be one of these guys that we see from Notre Dame that ends up falling below the depth chart on below some guys that are bigger name recruits ends up transferring to a mid-level program and really showing out because we've seen some guys do that and turn themselves into some some really high impact seniors. Yeah, well, Kofi was a guy that when he came to Notre Dame, he wasn't a huge recruit. I think he was a three-star kid out of the D.C. area. So it wasn't like he was a prized kid coming to Notre Dame. He was a raw, developmental, weak-side defensive end that, as you've said, had played very sparingly for the Fighting Irish over his career. When I'm looking at this one, it, it always stinks, to lose depth, especially when you're the number four team in the country who was undefeated. So they lost Jamie on Franklin a couple weeks ago. They lost him at defensive end, Kofi Wardlow, uh, today. So the, the, the immediate impact for the defensive line in Notre Dame is, hey, if there's an injury up front, pra- uh, some uh, reps in practice, the, the practice um, – I don't I almost said practice squad like we're in the NFL here. The scout team reps. <laughs> um, right. That's where I think that this hurts Notre Dame specifically. For Kofi, I mean – my immediate thought was D.C. area. Maybe he's a Maryland kid because, hey, if you if you were a Notre Dame guy, I'm sure that Maryland would be interested if you're right there kind of in their backyard a little bit. I do think that he has enough talent to be a contributor on the college level. Unfortunately, he has gotten a – I don't want to say unfair because obviously he's competing, but he's gotten into a room that we saw Julian Aquara, Khalid Kareem, now Dalen Hayes – Adi Agandiji, a bunch of guys on that defensive line that have just been in front of him because they're more talented uh, players. So, And now we have a couple guys that we're talking about that are younger than him that are starting to take reps from him as well. So in that respect, like 
it, it makes sense. The timing isn't great in the middle of the season, losing depth on a practice-to-game regimen, but it, it's an understandable move for a guy like Kofi Wardlow, who is definitely good enough to play college football somewhere. I think Maryland's probably a team to keep a close eye on, but yes, I do think that in the right situation, he can definitely contribute to, um, to some degree on the college football level. Like you said, this isn't something that's really going to worry me because of what I pointed out. He hasn't contributed in 2020. A lot of younger guys and a lot of depth pieces have presented themselves as more and better at at being able to contribute for this defense than Wardlow has been able to. So I did a quick look up here. He is from D.C. He attended St. John's, which if you know anything about that D.C. sports area, that is at one of the best programs in the area. I played with, and I, I'm only a year removed, a, a current member of, of my former team, University of Rhode Island, played on that team. So I'm sure he played with, with Kofi. It is worth noting, and it's interesting that you bring up that, that Maryland transfer. We do tend to see guys that try to transfer from programs, other programs that are from D.C., they usually do try to find a way back to Maryland. It's a big hub for a lot of Maryland recruits that are three and sometimes four-star, and we also do sometimes see those five-star recruits end up at Maryland. So he already did have an offer, and he actually decommitted from Maryland. So that's a really interesting point that you brought that up, and I think that's probably his um, most likely fit. For him to end up at. Yeah, and I didn't even do that back background research, Joe. You one upped me there, but it's interesting that that kind of. Adds. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it research because I, I literally googled it as he as he put okay, it. Okay, so, so Joe DeLeon <laughs> just googled his twenty four seven sports, looked at the decommitment there. Yeah, no, I, and I think that the the again the the layer that needs to be talked about of why he's making this move is they have young guys at that defensive end position in Isaiah Foskey and Ovia Gufu who are the next guys. You know, after Dalen Hayes. And um, Agion, Adi Ogandiji are going to be exhausting their eligibility this fall as long as they don't make a you know extra year return that has been kind of talked about a little bit. They're the next wave. So Kofi is not going to play. They're, they're, Notre Dame is going to continue to churn in those defensive ends, those longer, more athletic guys. And he's, I think, a redshirt junior right now. So he is you know only going to have another year potentially of eligibility next year. Is he going to waste his time? behind guys like Foskey and, um, and Agufu for, for a year, I feel like it wouldn't make any sense for him. So I completely understand the move from a, from a personal sense. Right, and just a, a last final thought here on his decision to leave. I think Notre Dame is always one of those programs where if you don't have an impact sometime on the earlier part of your career, maybe as a sophomore, juniors pushing it, as long as you're, if you're not getting into that rotation – it's one of those programs where they're always going to be getting four and five star recruits. So if you don't step up and do something early on, you're very easily going to get passed by guys that are younger than you. And if you're ever in that situation where someone younger than you has a higher recruiting uh, background and gets brought in, your career is going to be a lot less than you expected it to because coaches are always going to give those higher star guys more chances to prove themselves than you if you were only a three-star recruit. So coming up, we are going to be starting our first ever preview for uh, an upcoming opponent for Notre Dame, that being Clemson, the number one ranked team in the country without Trevor Lawrence. Before we do, though, folks, I want to share a message with you from our sponsors, that being Coors Light again. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? And how do you 
like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next. I know after a long day and having to work bizarre hours working in the media industry, I always need to take that time at the end of my week to sit down, reset, grab a Coors Light, hang out with my friends, and watch some football, basketball, whatever is on. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on right now, Saturdays are your time to chill and especially to watch Notre Dame football. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you the excuse to chill and drink a beer. It doesn't matter what team or sport is playing. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Specifically, when Notre Dame's on, make sure you crack that, that Coors Light open. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And everybody knows, right, Coors Light is the premier beer when you're just trying to take a chill. All week, I'm looking forward to football and cracking open a couple ones on the weekends. But we know after that, when we get to the next Monday, it's tough sometimes to break through that wall. And whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go Every Day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation you have ever had. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market right now. It's five outer energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's even better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. Coming in three delicious flavors, peanut, uh, sorry, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and my personal favorite, chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is that fast-absorbing protein, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong throughout the day. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better while it makes you perform better as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCK, that's all capitals LOCK, and you'll get finished and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilco.com. Let's go. This upcoming matchup against Clemson offensively is the best team that they're going to see on both sides of the ball, but the skill position players that they bring to the equation is electric. They have some serious athletes and it's something that Notre Dame has to be a hundred percent prepared for. So right now we're on the same page in understanding what they're built to do. What are some things that you are going to be paying attention to and that you think Notre Dame fans need to be aware of come Saturday when this game kicks off? Well, I think that Notre Dame in the trenches specifically on both sides, of the ball is going to be able to compete against Clemson and win their fair share of matchups. So Notre Dame's defensive line, I think, is going to give Clemson's offensive line some fits. I think that they really are. The problem here is if Clemson's able to manufacture a little space, they're able to get guys like Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers, Powell, all those guys that are these super shifty players in space, even to their tight end, Brayton Galloway, they're going to try to isolate these guys one-on-one against guys like Drew White, 
on the second level, linebackers that may not be the most athletic in the world. Bo Bauer, those are going to be the targets. They're going to try to make Travis Etienne go one-on-one with some of these stiffer linebackers, Braden Galloway with some of these stiffer linebackers, Amari Rogers against some of these stiffer linebackers. They're going to try to find their mismatch. They're going to manufacture and manipulate space. So for me, if we need to win this game, looking at this team, you need to keep the ball out of those guys' hands in the middle of the field. Force the ball outside the numbers. Take your chances one-on-one outside with the bigger targets that Clemson has. I want to force that, that middle of the field, keep it away. I do not want to see anybody get some open space and some easy avenues to work against the less athletic defenders for Notre Dame on the second and third level. Yeah, Clemson has always been one of those programs during this current run where they have always recruited offensively with the intention to get athletes. And, I mean, you even could draw in a, a point to Isaiah Simmons, who is the most freakish athlete that they've had on their team. And he was previously a wide receiver before they transitioned him to the defensive side of the ball. So they're always going to have an athletic mismatch. They can't allow, like you said, Ryan, any of their athletes to get into space because that is how they're going to burn them without having Trevor Lawrence. So for me, the the big key, if we want to hone in on the number one guy that they're going to be trying to get the ball to as early and as often as possible is Travis Etienne. He's currently considered to be a first round running back prospect. I know that you're a fan of Travis Etienne. There is a debate if he is RB1 even in this class over Najee Harris. Right now this season, he is producing some serious, strong statistics, already over 600 rushing yards and nine touchdowns, also considered to be a possible Heisman candidate. So with having that guy on on your roster, they are going to do whatever they can to lean on their running game, dealing with a freshman quarterback. I think, Ryan, the approach needs to be to let DJ Ungalele, hopefully I said that correctly, to beat them. And I look, I know that DJ was previously a very highly recruited kid, but when you're an underclassman, you can't, you need to attack an underclassman, an inexperienced quarterback, because all the other guys out there on the field could kill them if they don't have that approach. Yeah. And, and, and DJ Uwe Ungale is, is as a second time starting quarterback, second game that he started, got his feet wet last week in their almost upset against Boston College, nearly lost that one. But he really he really felt uh, fell into a good rhythm in the second half. And how is that how did he establish that rhythm? I'm going to get the guys that can make plays in space, some easy targets, talking about Travis Etienne, talking about Amari Rodgers again. Powell had a big game as well. Get those guys in space and make it easy on you. You want to see some yak if you're the Clemson guys. And that is the biggest mismatch that you could possibly make is Drew White having to be in some capacity one-on-one against a guy like Travis Etienne. We do not want to see that in any capacity. I want Clemson to have to run the football in Notre Dame because I don't think that they're going to be able to establish a cohesive running attack on a snap-to-snap basis. The passing game is what worries me. Those athletes in space is what worries me. Win first down, put him in some obvious passing situations where, hey, running a, running a drag, a five-yard drag might not be good enough. We might need to, to expand our passing concepts and make it a little bit more of a deep shot. Put some, put some pressure on this freshman quarterback. 
Don't let him have some easy pickings all day and let his athletes be athletes. Travis Etienne has to be the main focus. Running game, passing game, he has to be the guy that we stop and that we negate during this game. And you put it there really perfectly. Don't make things easy for a guy that is starting his second ever game. If Ungalele still has an incredible performance and he's the reason why they win, then this kid you know, is destined for some serious greatness, which is possible because he was a highly recruited quarterback. But you need to take advantage of the opportunity that has been presented to you. It all boils down to the fact that Trevor Lawrence is not the starting quarterback, a guy that is considered to be a generational quarterback talent who is the guaranteed first overall pick in this upcoming draft class. He is not playing in this game. There is a step down from Trevor Lawrence to DJ Ungalele, and that is obvious considering what we've laid out so far. So you need to take advantage of that because eventually when you face this team in the ACC championship, you're going to have to go against Trevor Lawrence. You might as well get the win now while you can while you're playing them at home. So in a few minutes, we will then talk about the Clemson defense, which is also a very talented group. They've got some serious playmakers. We're going to highlight some of those key names in a few minutes. Ryan, defensively, this is not the same group that we've seen in previous years for Clemson. This is not like the same year where they had Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, just because they were seniors or and juniors and experienced players. This isn't like last year when they had um, Isaiah Simmons roaming their secondary and AJ Terrell. This is a, a bit of a fresher group, but there still are some interesting names. You're also particular, particularly focused on their freshmen that they have playing up front. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous these freshmen because it's it's a reloading year for for Clemson. It's not a rebuilding year. These guys are coming in as five star recruits: Brian Brissy, Miles Murphy up front, who have been flashing already. Obviously, playing football at a high level as freshmen at at the University of Clemson with the the level of talent that they have on that roster is a big thing. They allow so much versatility in terms of how they attack defense. And they have guys like Spectre and Venables on the second level who blitz from varying spots all the, all day. But for me, the big key for Notre Dame uh, going against this defense is those young guns, Brian Brissett, Miles Murphy, on passing downs, they are, dude, they pin their ears back and they are ready to go at all times. We need to keep these guys on their heels. That's why winning first down, again, that I talked about a little bit yesterday, that's the big key to this game. I want to see second and four all game. I want to see second and three, second and fives. I don't want defenses to have a tip like, hey, it's second and eight, second and nine. It's probably a pass play here. I want them to have to be in guess mode so that they can't pin those ears back. They have to respect both the run and the pass. That's the key to victory. If Notre Dame is playing all game in front of the chains, second and shorts, third and shorts, I think they're going to be okay. But Miles Murphy, Ryan Brissy. The best way to slow down these types of freshmen up front is by running the football and by managing those chains and then keeping them in second and third and shorts. And you've got a bunch of grown-ass men out there on your offensive line going against some freshmen. While they've these freshmen have flashed some talent, they are not going to have the, the level of impact that they've had early on against some of these other teams like they will against Notre Dame. Notre Dame has... 
a veteran group. They've got a talented group, especially the way that they're built from the inside and also on the outside. They need to come to play uh, and dominate these these young guys up front. And and also, Ryan, I'm also a little bit wary of Nolan Turner, who's currently tied for the lead in the country for interception interceptions. He has three this year so far. He's not a guy that I really think is a ball-hawking sideline-to-sideline safety. I think that from what the interception I saw against Boston College last week, it stood out to me that this is a guy that is very advantageous and takes advantage of opportunities that are presented to him. The interception that he had on Dracovic, I thought was a great play by him. So you can't put yourself in these... Uh, Ian Book can't put himself in these these spots where he's maybe trying to force the ball into a tight window because... Turner's the type of guy that could be lurking when he's not even noticing that he's there. Yeah, and obvious passing situations is the key for me there. Well, like we talked about Brian Bercy and Miles Murphy a little bit, right? But that, that's an extension to the third level there. You talked about Nolan Turner, Andrew Booth, Darian Kendrick at, at cornerback. That's a very talented secondary, too. You want to keep those guys on their heels a little bit, too. It, it, it's not, you know, especially because we don't want to put this game into Ian Book's hands where he has to complete third nine-plus all game because it's not going to be great not only from the front perspective, but like you said, Turner, Kendrick, um, Andrew Booth, they're all exceptional back there. Make those guys have to make plays in the running game. Make them have to make plays coming up into their zone. I don't want to see those guys have the opportunity to roam free, to make plays on the back end because you have to challenge them because you put yourself in a tough situation. And that's going to be a, you know, a big major point for this game because you know that Clemson's defensive game plan is going to be, all right, this Notre Dame team runs the ball very well. They've got a couple running backs that are effective runners. Ian Book is a quarterback who is very willing to escape the pocket rather than finding uh, a viable passing option. They need to play good contain, and they're going to be very aggressive in trying to slow down this Notre Dame rushing attack. So you need to set the tone early. You can't come out completely flipping the script and trying to throw early and often. They need to stick with what's working. I'm a little bit worried that Tommy Rees might come into this game thinking, all right, they're going to try and stop the run. We, we need to open things up with a, with a passing attack. No, ride with what works. You have the best offensive line in the country. Just keep pounding the rock. Well, that's what happened last year against Georgia, if you recall. After the yeah. game, Brian Kelly said something like, we knew we weren't going to be successful in the run game. That's such a defeatist attitude. Like We talked about that yesterday. The moment that you think you can't do something, it's over with. You made yourself a one-dimensional team. And they were in that game against Georgia, but they just could not establish any type of balance offensively. It was all uh, Cole Komet and and uh, in the end of the game, Ian Book trying to make plays. And, and the weakest part of Notre Dame right now is their wide receiver crew. We talked about the uncertainty. We've seen flashes from guys like Javon McKinley, from guys like Ben Skoranek, but it's not a consistent basis. And now we're facing the most talented secondary we'll see all year. Andrew Booth, again, Darian Kendrick. These guys, they're going to put them in one-on-one situations outside. When Notre Dame chooses to take uh, make make sorry, when they choose to make uh, to take chances, they have to be able to capitalize. Because, like you said, Clemson's very aggressive. They're going to blitz second-level defenders. They're going to put guys in a lot of man-to-man coverage. They're going to take chances. Which means, if you're taking chances, you have the opportunity to get burnt on the back end. They need to take opportunities, and when they choose their spots, as long as they're in good situations, they need to be able to capitalize on it. 
So I just want to point out here, um, Kyron Williams only has one game where he has over 20 rushing attempts. And I know he's not a, a, a super big running back. He's only 5'9". He's barely 200 pounds. You don't really want to give him 30 carries, but I think with what you have with him and Chris Tyree, uh, Kyron Williams should have 20, 25 carries in this game like he did against Louisville. You also need to get Chris Tyree working, get him 10 to 15 carries. I really, really am, am so worried, as I've already said, and as you pointed out, what killed them against Georgia last year, that they're not going to be willing to lean on that, that rushing attack that has established them so much success. Yeah, and I want to see I want to see those guys specifically. You just named them. Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. I want to see them on the field at the same time. I want to see Chris Tyree running some jets. I want to see them getting touches. And, and forget about maybe even 25 carries, but I want to see Kyron Williams with 25 touches. We haven't seen the screen mm. game be used a ton this, this season so far. Get Kyron Williams some touches there. Get Chris Tyree. We talked about Clemson potentially manipulating some space. Let's create some space for our dudes because Chris Tyree, that guy could play for Clemson right now. That is a legit 4-3 athlete. Get him into some space. I want to see those guys get the bulk of the touches as often as possible because they are our best bet to match up against Clemson athletically. And Williams is only six yards behind and two touchdowns behind Travis Etienne. So it's it's kind of funny that we're all, oh, Travis Etienne's a Heisman candidate right now. And at the beginning of the season, people were talking about how he's a Heisman candidate. Well, Kyron Williams, who is a similar style sized running back, maybe not as fast as Etienne, is still kind of fits that, uh, it's still statistically not that far off from him um, playing on a team that's very run oriented. So that is going to be it for today's episode, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Tomorrow, we are going to have a wonderful interview coming for you from Brad Sinku, who is the host of Locked On Clemson. We're going to hear his thoughts on this upcoming matchup and the Clemson team as a whole. That's going to be a majority of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And here are the thoughts from somebody who's behind those enemy lines, who is a part of and a, a um, covering the team that Notre Dame is going to be facing this upcoming week. Make sure, folks, you follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. Follow Ryan at Rise and Draft and follow the podcast Twitter at Locked On Irish. Please hit that subscribe button. If you like us so far as the new hosts, we ask you please give us some reviews. A lot of the reviews, actually there's only one review and it's oriented to the old hosts. So if you like the show so far, um, please give us your feedback. Give us your positive feedback. If you have anything that you maybe would like us to try differently, reach out to us on Twitter. We can also address that stuff. Um, as well. If you're looking for something else to tune into, folks, again, I'm going to plug the Locked On Clemson show, Brad uh, Sinku, who if you want to hear how they're preparing for this week's game, take a listen and see how that sounds. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, for our interview with Brad.